Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard my young boys in Snub Nose. This is off their demo, which came out on the World of Fire record label Bandcamp. The track is Unrest. Snub Nose has our young boy Ben Soupy up in the mix. Check these guys out. Another new band from this area. Um, I've been meaning to pop them on the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Big shout out to the soup for supporting everybody unilaterally and for having two fucking bands, being at every show. And here's your cap up, young man. Keep doing the right thing. So I'll take the time real quick to thank everybody who showed up for the show we did last Sunday in Philadelphia at the church. It was meant to be a celebration of Dennis and Jazzy Germain, his brother, the twin, the 50th birthday party, Bella 13, the OG lineup, Punishment OG lineup, Departed, my man Joe Stanley dropping that Varsity Violence Clubber Latin track, and the young boys in Cycle Abuse opening the show. It went from being a fun idea to pull these bands together and turn into a family reunion at sorts. Those of you who took the time to come out, understand that this isn't just some show, isn't just some dick-swinging ego fest, be like, hey, check out my old band, but this shit had 40 years of Philadelphia hardcore in it. And if you were there, we appreciate your presence. So thank you to everybody. Lots going on in the Philly hardcore show world. Bob Wilson keeps dropping some new shit. This is Hardcore Fest is happening this summer. Uh, I kind of do the same thing every week, so I'm going to break off from it and just say that in the coming weeks, we have just show after show to announce. New shit pops up every week. Every time you want to see something, you go ahead and you go to phillyhcshows.com. The next show that we have, Converge, is sold out at Underground Arts. Then we have, on a Monday night, Drain, Pain of Truth, Ingrown, Chemical Fix, Combust, Karma, Dare, Choice to Make at the Church. Um, Bob just announced this sick-ass C4 show, which a lot of people have been asking about, and I hope that you guys all come out. C4 will rule them all. Please die. Also at the church, everything you can check out at phillyhcshows.com or at phillyhcshows on Twitter and Instagram and Philly Hardcore Shows on Facebook. So check that out. Support that shit. Getting into this episode pretty quickly, I'll just say that our guest tonight is J.J. Mazurek, who is involved in Hardcore for Pits. This is something that my friend Dave Franklin, who is no longer with us, the singer of Vision, had a hand in starting. And I was hit up because they have an event upcoming Saturday, March 6th in Garwood, New Jersey at Crossroads, which is a vegan restaurant, not unlike the one out in California that celebrities and whatnot go to. For me, you know, sometimes our guests are going to be, you know, different hardcore people from different stratas, new bands, old bands, guys that names are ubiquitous and legendary, people who are lesser known, maybe, but universally respected. And I'm not huge on, 
making things political here because everybody has a place at the podcast and politics is shoved down our face, left, right, up and down for as long as we've had this podcast and this pandemic and all this stuff. But when it comes to activism, when it comes to fighting for the little guy, I stand up in a big way, and nothing's cooler than seeing a bunch of hardcore people come together, raise some money so rescue pit bulls can have medication and care and food. So you'll hear this on the show, but again, Saturday, March 6th at Crosswoods in Garwood, New Jersey, which is a real North Jersey area. So uh, matinee, this is a benefit for Brick City Rescue, which JJ represents. Hardcore for Pips 4. Doggy Dog, Murphy's Law, Kings Never Die, Damage Done, Lenny Lashley of Dark Buster has a band, Gang of One, The Ice Cold Killers, and Rest Assured. So come out, support, get a haircut. Uh, you can uh, um, bid to win some art, which a ton of different dudes, Isaac, Ken One. The list is pretty big of people who are donating art. And just support something cool. Um, as you know, and I, I mentioned it on the podcast, when Bob did the Philly Hardcore Barbecue, the Philly Billy Rescue showed up. It's cool to see people involved actively taking their hands and physically getting involved and in doing the work on the streets for these animals. And I, I might... My, my, my dog is right next to me 90% of the time when you've heard a podcast. My dog is either walking across the floor or he's sitting on the couch with me. Every night that I edit, he's sitting there looking at me, giving me stressful looks. Because in the beginning when I was recording, I was yelling, don't shut the fuck up. But um, I love my dog. I love pit bulls in general. You see Mike Barletti, Mike Hooligan bring his dogs to the show. Pit bulls are part of our family. Hardcore supports pit bulls and this shit's cool. So that's why I wanted to have them on the show. So let's fucking go. Today we are talking to JJ from Hardcore for Pits. This is something special to me. Um, my friend Dave Franklin, um, rest in peace, of Vision, had the vision to be involved in this program. And I, I specifically own and remember a wisdom and change vision split shirt and uh it wasn't too long before he passed that they were putting that together and um when i got hit up to talk about the show i wanted to bring someone on who represents the group dave not being with us we have jj on and he's going to tell us the things that go on with this group and the show they're putting on so jj thank you for coming on the show oh joe i just want to uh just say thank you to you for for giving me a voice to speak for the pit bulls and for you for advocating for the pit bulls because by, you know, having me on to talk about the show, I mean, what it's about is the dogs bottom line. So that gives them a voice, uh, lets them be heard for what they need. And uh, unfortunately there's a lot of ab animal abuse going on right now. And for a long time, there's backyard breeding, dog fighting, uh, animal neglect. Um, so this is something that for me is a really important project. And it really started with a conversation with Dave uh, at Webster Hall uh, when they played with H2O and Wisdom and Chains. After the show, I talked to him because we, you know, we both love pit bulls. I've been involved in rescue for, for a long time with pit bulls. And I talked to him. I said, Dave, I was like, we, we really got to 
you know, get together and do something. He said, JJ's like, I'd be down to do whatever you want. He goes, we need to do a show hardcore for pits. I was like, that's it. I was like, we need to do that show. And uh, we talked about it that night. And unfortunately, that was the last time that I saw him. May rest in peace. And I knew that I had to continue on in his legacy and make that show a reality. So we're in the fourth year of that event. Unfortunately, we couldn't have it last year with everything going on. But this is our fourth year of doing it and always in memory of Dave Franklin. It's a, for me personally, and I've said this on multiple episodes, uh, coming from heavy metal into hardcore, especially as I not even, not even in my mid-teens, I was like 13, 14 years old, and everybody being like Vision, Vision the man, and like to be able to walk up and have a conversation with the singer of a band that everyone's telling you about, and yeah. him not being like, get away from me, peasant, but being cool yeah. Yeah. was a formative moment where I understood better that the people who sing in these hardcore bands aren't people who are looking down and expecting you to sign their ticket. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I've gone to, I used to go to rock shows and literally I've got a ticket stub from around the same time that I got to talk to Dave Vision from uh, Judas Priest's Rob Halford, where he signed my ticket stub and that is, but like, I had a 20 minute conversation with Dave, uh, poor Dave, who was like, who's this long hair punishing me. And, uh, right. and it, it just stuck with me. And especially over the years of having them be a part of this is hardcore and just shows in general vision and Dave have a huge impact on what I believe to be hardcore. And again, I had, I had the unfortunate situation of having them play Philadelphia. And there was a thing where Pete was saying, this is the last show. We're not going to be playing. And he called me on the phone a couple of days. He's like, we're not, this is our last fucking show. Take that off the flyer. And he said something about it on stage that day. And then, you know, aside, he and I were talking. He's like, if there's a last show, you're involved in it, but we're not done yet. And a couple of days later he passed and it was crushing. You know, it yeah. was like the absolute last thing I wanted to hear as someone who uh, Dave's a hardcore hero to me visions and a super important band. And, uh, to speak to your cause, uh, my assistant producer is Abel, my pit bull, who often sleeps on the couch next to me as I record these. He's currently sleeping right now next to me. And um, two sleeping pit bulls right behind me. Yeah, like literally I come I, I, I come home. He sees the mic. He used it earlier on in the podcast. He'd see the mic and he'd go, all right, I'm going to go upstairs. And I finally got him cool enough to just lay here and fall asleep. Or finally yeah. at that point in the show where he's like, all right, dad, I'll hang out with you. <laughs> and I I couldn't I couldn't be more emotionally attached to a project for all the different reasons, not just the hardcore angle, the, the vision angle, but also because like my pit has no cut tail. He has no cut ears. You know, um, when you spoke on breeding, it was one of those situations where I won't call it white trash, but I'll say that low, low, low hanging fruit type people just breed these dogs. They're just like, oh, it's okay if my dog has like 20 dogs and we yep. were lucky that we got able the minute he was just old enough to be taken as well for a mother. And I've, um, we've had him. He is, I can't even believe this. He's going to be 11 years old this year. Oh, wow. And yeah. And uh, I've been through a lot with this dog. And um, I, I know that there's uh, some people talk about make fun of like, the idea of like emotional support animal, but I'll tell you yeah. what, my dog is absolutely cognitive and aware of how I feel. And oh, on dude, some of the dude. worst days, some of the worst days, he knows right then to come right up to me 
And I, I couldn't think of an idea of seeing some of the stuff that I see in, uh, when I see pictures of animal abuse and all the shit. And so I love the idea that you're taking it back to the grassroots level and you're trying to do. So first off, before we get into the whole, the inner work of the group, what were you doing before you were doing hardcore for pits? Like what was your background in hardcore punk? Like, give me some background. So we know who we're talking to. Like, where did you find out about hardcore? Where did you grow up? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, uh, home of the pipeline. Hell yeah. Um, Love that. So, you know, so going back there is my sister who got me into it when I was about 14 years old. And she was, uh, she's about five, six years older than me. Uh, she started to get me into it. She was going to the pipeline and slowly introduced me uh, to the scene and, and to the music and just something that I fell in love with. And then uh, Do you remember the dog, your first pipeline show. Oh, uh, yeah, it was uh, um, actually I think it was a vision show. Holy shit. I actually think it was a vision show. Yeah. And Dave is not at that show specifically, but over that time period, Dave kind of took me under his wing as a young kid. And, and it just made such an impact on me. And actually, one of one of my good friends is Brian, his brother. Yeah. Uh, so Brian Franklin. So shout out to him. Just a great dude. Um, I think through Dave's passing brought us closer together. And that's what, and, you know, now I always say to him, I was like, dude, I was like, you might have lost Dave, but you got a brother, you know, and, and that's what the music has done for so many of us, just bringing us together, you know, um, Besides being into hardcore and punk, I was also really into reggae and uh, um, like rock steady uh, beats and older stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, rock steady, old school ska, all that stuff. So I kind of encompassed the whole circle, you know, being that that, the area that I grew up in in Newark, I was grew up in a Jamaican neighborhood, Jamaican and Haitian neighborhood. Okay, right. So that had a super big influence on me um, in my musical tastes. And then I slowly expanded out with my sister getting into, you know, punk rock. Uh, going to UK sub shows and things like that. And then really found a home with, you know, hardcore, you know, that's what really kind of suited me personally the most. Now, when I think of the pipeline, it not only for me for going up on Thursday nights for some of the heavier shows, but just the diversity of some of them bills, it, it, it makes total sense. Newark is also as far as the cities goes, probably one of the most diverse cities I've ever traveled. Cause we used to take, we used to take a bus or a train to Trenton and the train from Trenton to Newark. And we would sometimes walk or try to get on a bus to get us as close to the pipeline, then walk. And people would be like, how the fuck did you go? And I can't tell you how many times I might miss school because I knew I wasn't getting on that last train and I would have to sleep at Trenton till the first train would ride back to Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just an iconic place. I think when you, you say the pipeline, it puts a smile on people's faces. Not always the easiest place to maneuver. Right. But, you know, I think it, it's just it it brought so many people together. You know, I just think about all the friends that I made there kind of just like venturing there, you know, and, and just kind of expanding my world in my mind blew me away. Now, you would know, you ever try cool. your hand at playing in a band? Were you ever musically inclined? Like, what's your deal? What do you got going on? No, I'm musically inclined. I have no skills, but <laughs> hey. that's why I have. Yeah, I have, I have no skills. I have a love for music, love for art, uh, a passion for dogs. And, and, you know, luckily I have all these friends who, you know, help me with this event who are super talented and, you know, give of their talents and their time to, uh, you know, to to do this for the dogs. 
And speaking on the event, your first one, which came first? Were you thinking of just doing a show or were you of the mind to get like the business stuff behind it? Like all the, you know, the, the non like how does that work? Like when you're first of all, like, I'm just going to do a show and I'm just going to give the money to somebody. Like, did you have like a process that you were thinking about or is this totally just winging it the first one? Well, I mean, pretty much most of my life has been winging it <laughs> and uh, I can relate. But, yeah, yeah. Winging it has been a big part of my life and somehow, uh, you know, turned out all right. Um, but really was a, for this, it was a process because first and foremost, I had to make sure I was doing the right thing for the dogs, right? How were they going to be represented? Um, you know, I've had people, uh, actually, you know, turn down, um, you know, promoting the event because they, they thought it was too violent, <laughs> which is pretty, I'm not going to mention who that was, but, uh, they're like, Oh, it seems like it's too violent. I'm like, no, this is a group <laughs> of, okay, yeah, it's crazy coming together to help dogs. They didn't like the way that my dog Chloe was depicted on one of the posters, which uh, was she had a, bandana, a tattoo on her face. Yeah. I, I, feel I vaguely remember seeing that on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you have no idea about my dog. Cause number one, she's a giant baby and the sweetest girl around, you know? So, um, but I had to make sure that the, the animals and the dogs were represented first. Cause first and foremost, that's the most important thing. Uh, secondly, I knew I had, uh, you know, to get the, the business end of it done so we can put on a proper event. And then uh, after that, it was, you know, talking to my friends and, you know, seeing who'd be able to help me and, and kind of breaking it down from there. So um, luckily we had a venue, uh, the Harp in Clifton, um, where we started playing it. And unfortunately they closed um, this past year. Um, but they kind of gave us that, that alleyway to be able to open up this world to so many people. And, and, you know, for me, like Chloe had a kissing booth there, you know, and people were coming up and dropping so much money just to get kisses from, from, from Chloe. That's a cool and, idea. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I think it just blew people away. They're like, wait, there's music going on over here. We have an art show over here. We have a dog in a kissing booth over here that at first we were scared of, but we see is, you know, an angel, you know? So a lot of it is breaking down the stereotypes. And I think from, like the world that we come from, you know, people judge us right away. Right. And they look at us and they're like, oh, this guy's a thug. This guy is not smart. This guy can't do business. This guy can't, you know, think beyond his nose. You know, they, they put all these misconceptions on us. Right. And, and I think that's why we relate so well to these dogs, you know, because these dogs are so vital. You know, they're so loving. They're so giving. They're so loyal. You know, and I think that that's what you know, we encompass, that's where we come from, you know, that's in our blood. And that's, I think that's why, you know, we'll go above and beyond for these dogs, you know, because they are so important. I, I couldn't agree more now in, in reference to like the idea to do a show and obviously you own a dog, but were you ever involved previously in any kind of like care for like, like beyond owning a dog, were you ever involved in any kind of care or were you involved in other rescues? Like, do you have any background in that kind of stuff? Or like, uh, what was your first initiation to understanding some of the pit bull rescues that other you've seen in other areas? Uh, so, so I'm involved with a rescue, uh, brick city rescue, you go to brickcityrescue.com. Uh, you can check out all the adoptables that are there. And, um, you know, how you can get involved if anyone wants to get involved. 
with us. Um, but really what, what got my passion going was my mom. Um, growing up, she always taught me the value of animals, how important they were um, to us, you know, as humans, right? And she always instilled in me that, you know, dogs love us more than they love themselves, right? And they're the one being on this planet that truly loves us more than themselves, right? And going back to uh, the time growing up uh, where I did, I actually grew up next to a house that illegally bred Akitas. And those wow. Akitas got out one day, attacked me. Uh, they mauled me. My guts were hanging out. I was four years old. And guts? Like gut, like stomach? Yeah, like, dude, I was tore up. Holy like, shit. Yeah, like my back, like still on my back, I got like really bad scars and shit and on my side. Um, so they tore me up. And I remember like just seeing blood all over me. And I remember seeing the cop with the, the um, you know, with the, the stick around the dog's neck. And I just remember saying to, I don't remember who I said it to, but saying, you know, uh, please don't hurt that dog, you know? And, and that really, to me, is the moment that, you know, was, I think, transformative for me, knowing that, you know, there are so many dogs in so many bad situations, right? And I could think back to that so clearly, uh, that event. And, and, you know, there has to be people who are willing to speak up for them, right? Um, that dog didn't want to hurt me. That dog was in a bad situation, right? So uh, it's unfortunate. Um, but that that's really the spark that kind of pushed me forward. And then along with my mom um, to, you know, understand the importance and love of animals, you know, and that's really what started. And then uh, I would always help dogs here and there, you know, when I would see them, uh, help them get off the street, you know, take them to the vet, uh, get them spayed or neutered, right? Like we were talking about the backyard breeding, man, it's such an epidemic right now. Um, it, it's really, honestly, it's probably some of the worst that I've ever seen, right? And, and like you were saying, there's there, there's that, that low common denominator, that the low hanging fruit people who just want to make a buck off of these dogs and they're producing so many dogs that it's, and then these dogs get out into the world and then people don't want them once they're not a puppy anymore. And then they think, okay, well, we can give them to Brick City Rescue or we can give them to, you know, Jersey Pitts Rescue or we can give them, you know, to New York Bully Crew and, and they'll just take them. That's their problem. You know, when they start seeing that these animals are, they're like, they're, as you know, they're like babies. So, you know, there are children, so they, they cost a lot of money. It's not easy. Right. And you have to be willing to provide for them, you know, and a lot of people, you know, some people love their animals and they're not able to do that, which is unfortunate as well, you know, but, um, you know, it's important that people can understand the value of these animals, and just get back down to, all right, these are beings that are on this planet that we share this planet with that just want love, right? And that's really it. It's really that simple, you know, and I think another important thing, which kind of drives me uh, to do what I do is there aren't enough guys involved in this, right? You see a lot of, of um, women doing rescue and it's great. It's awesome. You know, I mean, they do an ama amazing job, but there's not enough guys in the forefront of doing this and saying, all right, it's okay to love animals, all right? It's okay to be, you know, to let that kind of tough guy demeanor down and just let that softer side show of how important it is to speak out for these animals. And you don't have to go and, and you know, go somewhere and rescue them. It's just talking about them, advocating for them, donating, fostering, 
you know, doing all these things that, you know, can make one life a little less hellish, you know? So that's, I, that's where we are with that. You mentioned, you mentioned women. And I know that when Bob did the Philly barbecue, the Philly uh, hardcore barbecue this previous summer, 2021, he had the Philly bully rescue team. And I think it was almost exclusively of women. And yeah. I know a lot of women that are involved, not only in veterinarian care, but also in rescue. So to echo what you're saying, I don't know too many males that are involved in the physical end of uh, working with those uh, enterprises. I have a lot of yeah. friends who have dogs and I obviously, I don't know if it's yeah. just the nature of hardcore, but a lot of us have pit bulls. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and um, I, I can't think of, I can't think of anything more horrific than the idea of, I was just reading your page and I saw this blue dog. You have Murph on the brick yeah. city rescue page. And it's like, cause you see just saying, nah, I don't want this dog anymore. Yeah. You know, like the, the heartbreak in that, and let alone, we're not even talking about the abuse and the abandonment. Um, you have a really good red site. And I, I suggest that everyone check it out. Um, you have the ability to adopt or foster or just get involved, which I think is really important that that's up right up in the front. And, um, it's just such a cool thing because in talking to you, I, I, I don't hear someone who has an eight-year degree in veterinarian care. I don't have someone who has 20 years of nonprofit experience. Like you guys, it sounds like you really just took something that you were emotionally invested in and did your best to try to push forward. How in that process of with the hardcore for pits, and what you're up to, like, how did you learn the ins and outs of everything going on? Like, I know earlier we were talking about starting a business end of it, but what were the first things that you were doing once you realized that you were so motivated that you would engage in this kind of activity? And like, there were the people that you were learning from, like, how did you learn more about rescuing and how to care and all the things that are you now very well, uh, very well uh, schooled in? You know, I, I think it's, it's just, you know, try a lot of trial and error, networking, uh, talking to people, you know, um, asking for help and, you know, and just opening up dialogues with people. Um, we have a really great vet uh, who I've been using for a very long time, Dr. Tracy. Um, she makes house calls. She's pretty amazing. Um, she's been super influential in, you know, expanding my knowledge base to be able to help these dogs more um, for, you know, look, you know, to have certain things to look for with these dogs. Uh, for what they need health-wise, um, what they need behavior-wise. Um, so I think it's just a lot of, you know, just being willing to having, you know, having conversations with people and, and you know, just stop talking and just listen, you know, and, and learning from people who have done it because there, there are so many people who are out there making a difference every day. It doesn't really matter what rescue you support or, what rescue you, you know, might volunteer with or adopt from, or if you go to a shelter, right? All of these dogs needs home, needs home, need a home. So I think it's just important to just get involved. And that's where I was. I just wanted to get involved. I knew I loved animals, but what was the next step that I could take um, to make a bigger difference? I know I'm giving my dogs a good home, but now I want to help other dogs, you know, expand their world. And I want them to see what my dogs get to see you know, which is love and loyalty and care. So once I did that, had conversations with people, how to properly do these things, um, you know, 
I was able to kind of expand what I was able to do to be able to help them. So that's that's kind of where I got the base, right? So you have a lot of great people like Stephanie at Brick City and Tanya at Brick City, um, who I work with, who are amazing women, who are so knowledgeable on the laws and all of these things uh, that you need to know to be able to properly um, help these dogs along, you know, to be able to do what they actually need and not just because sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes you just, especially me, I'm, I'm, I have my heart on my sleeve, right? So sometimes I just want to react and act out of emotion or, or my heart. And so they're, they're a good voice for how to step back and how to uh, analyze situations and to how to properly go about um, the process. When you talk about laws, I'm unfamiliar if there's breed specific laws for Pennsylvania or New Jersey regarding the, uh, the pitbull terriers is there is there any laws that we should be aware of yeah there there are actually uh in the town actually i'm in the process of moving today uh to a new town um in my town um they were trying to enact a a statute that you would have to have a fence in your yard right and you would have to put up a fence in your yard if you did not you were unable to have a pitbull Right. Because they would deem them as unsafe if they did not have a, you know, six foot high fence and a certain in ground into the um, into the ground uh, fence. So, you know, those are little uh, luckily that did not pass. Um, But those are things that politicians continually try to do with this breed specific legislation. Right. And it happens sporadically in different towns and it gets combated and fought. And that's another end of this whole thing, right, is um, you think about Denver, right? You go to Denver. Denver had major breed specific legislation that banned them from the city, the inside the city. And so many people were forced to make a decision, right? Do I give up my dog? Right. Do I uh, do I move? What do I do? It's life changing things that people were having to make decisions with. And finally, I think it was last year, Denver, that policy finally um was or that breed specific legislation was struck down finally, but it, it pops up all over the place, right? And, and they're, you know, uh, Canada is really big on breed specific legislation, right? So, where, you know, we focus uh, locally on helping the dogs uh, in Newark, Patterson, uh, in these areas, right? It's really, it's a, it's a um, global problem, right? Because people look down upon these dogs and, and they judge them to be something that they're not, right? They make them out to be these monsters. And I could show you what they are. Oh. Just laying right there. Yep. And just cooling out. Yeah. You know, and and they, they make them out to be, you know, something that they're not, you know, and they're just dogs. That's it. They're just dogs. Have you ever specifically talked to someone who may have been on the fence or anti pit bull that by showing them the good nature of a pit bull may have changed your opinion? Yeah, there, there are a lot of people who meet Chloe specifically who their opinions completely change once they meet her. And, you know, and I have to explain to them too. I was like, you know, it's, it's not, not every dog is going to instantly be like Chloe. This is her personality. You know, she was used for backyard breeding in Patterson, right? And that's her, that's her backstory. So I adopted her when she was two years old. Um, and she had about, they think, two litters of puppies. 
and um, she was found on the street and she's just a magical being. So when people meet her, they're blown away by how loving she is, how happy she is. She's always smiling, right? And that smile has changed a lot of people's opinions. You find yourself not only just trying to work on the end of rescuing dogs, have you ever worked towards infecting the change in how the legislation or how laws are being made? Have you sat in town councils or anything like that? Like, is there anything on the political side that you've done or just by work? Have you tried to influence people? You know, uh, politically, you know, in terms of uh, I try to lead by example a lot, uh, politically speaking, um, you know, aside from writing emails and getting involved and, and pushing it out online, the information I haven't really been involved in uh, too many town meetings discussing that. Uh, for me, locally where I am, uh, but it is something I am in, interested in doing. Should that present itself, for sure. Uh, it, it it sounds like this is like a battle on all fronts. It's not yeah. just it's not just with the legislation and and people having specific rules that are be, breed related, but you're dealing with like you said, you have backyard breeders who are just people trying to make money off dogs, and then there's people who are just completely, I would say either they don't understand overbreeding or just making litters of pups to people that are doing it for malicious needs. You're dealing with that. And then you're dealing with the families and the Wanton, like lack of respect for dogs and dogs ending out on the street, emaciated, beaten. Um, There's so many different angles that come with this, with this abuse on these animals that I could see that there's almost too much going on to specifically fight it on one front. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of daunting, but I'm glad you're taking it on. And um, to double back to the first show, how did you, how did you go into it? Like, would you say, Hey, I'm going to get the venue and I'll get some bands. Like, did you have, what were your for, what were your, like your, your plans going into it? And then how did it end up working out? So uh, one of the first things I did was I talked to uh, my, my good friend, Joey from the ice cold killers. And I brought it up to him and I said, Joe, I was like, if, if we did this and he's always been super supportive of uh, different things that we, uh, that we do. So in my car club, we used to do a, a event called Scarlet fever um, for my goddaughter who has red syndrome. So, you know, doing these events uh, and trying to raise money and raise awareness, I think is such an important part of it too. Um, you know, going to him, he's somebody who, uh, you know, has a good mind, has a good voice. And he said, absolutely, JJ. He's like, if you want to do hardcore for pits, he's like, I'm right there with you. And he's actually one of the people who who stepped up big time uh, because I had a situation about three years ago now to where uh, somebody reached out, asked for help. Um, they were his family uh, apartment in Patterson um, was in a fire. They lost their home and he had nowhere to go and needed a home for his two dogs. And I, I took the two dogs on and I reached out to Joey. I was like, Joe, I was like, I need some help on this. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to come out and meet them. And he lives on Long Island, made it through the traffic. We uh, met the dogs. He's like, I'm going to take them. I'm going to adopt them. So he wound up adopting those two dogs, right? Just like that. And, uh, now he's a passionate pit bull lover now. So, um, so every year the ice cold killers play. So really started with, with going to him first 
and then kind of expanding out from there. Like, all right, here's who we could talk to. Here's who I could talk to and just kind of piecing it together, you know? So um, major person who stepped up big time was Jimmy G from Murphy's law. He loves, he loves a dog. He loves a dog. One of the, the sweetest human beings on this planet. Right. And uh, he will do anything for these dogs and he does it every year. Um, so going back to the first year that Jimmy G played with Murphy's law, uh, he's walking up with two giant bags of, cause we also do a supply drive, which is a super important part of the show. Um, two giant bags of dog food and everyone in the band had donations. And not only did they bring donations for the supply drive, he made each one of the band members pay the admission fee. I was like, Jimmy, I was like, you don't have to pay. I was like, you're playing. He goes, no, he goes, it's for the dogs. Everybody's paying. So um, that's just the type of person that he is. And uh, having his support, you know, I could put on these events and, you know, I can create the event, create the structure of it. But if I didn't have people like Jimmy G or Joey or Doggy Dog and uh, Dan from Kings Never Die, you know, um, and Lenny Lashley from the Street Dogs and Dark Buster um, want to help and all the artists who donate, you know, Dan Smith from Capture Tattoo, Luke Westman, you know, all these super uber talented people um, who give their their talents and their time. If I didn't have them, you know, it'd be really hard to, uh, you know, to, to sell these events and to make money for the dogs. So, you know, through them and through having those conversations, you know, they open up that world and that opportunity for, you know, people to come to the event and say, all right, you know what, this is more than a concert. Like, this is more than a show. This is more than an art show, right? This is, you see people there, you know, really uh, seeing the, the importance of them being there. You know, it's not, they're just not there to see, you know, Doggy Dog or Murphy's Law. You know, they're there for the dogs. And, and it's really a really rad thing to see. Dan Anastasi is the fucking man, by the way. He's, he's, he's unbelievable. He's such a giving guy. I mean, you know, when I, when I was talking to him about this year and I was like, Dan, I was like, you know, I'd like to add somebody else um, besides, you know, with Murphy's Law. And he goes, oh, you want doggy dog? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, no problem. Next day he called me up and it was all all set up. It was that easy for me. So, um, you know, you have people like that who just and he's a pit bull lover as well. You know, um, you have people like that just giving of themselves and, and just wanting to help. And these are all the things that, that everyone can do. You can do these, these things in your own community. It doesn't have to just be hardcore for pits, right? I don't want to just help the dogs that are local to me. I want everyone, wherever you are, you know, to reach out and, and help in some way. Like I said, through advocacy, through donating, through volunteering, you know, through fostering, through adopting, all those things are so important. Now in this, in this event, obviously you have tables set up to explain. Have you had people show up at that first event who have taken on the, the, the same task that you guys have won? And have you influenced people, you think, from your first one to get more involved in, in all these different aspects of protecting the pit bulls? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you see, you know, different things like Jay Belusky, who uh, stomp out animal abuse events yep. that he puts on, which are amazing events. Um, and he's another guy who's just so giving and, and just honest and nice. And he actually reached out to me after his first event. I wasn't able to go to it. And he was like, hey, man, he's like, 
I want to make a donation to Brick City. I was like, dude, you don't have to do that. You just put on an awesome event, you know, for, for what you were doing. And just like that, sent $1,000 to Brick City. Wow. Right. So, you know, so seeing that is amazing. Right. It's just all these people kind of, you know, expanding the reach for the dogs. You know, it's amazing. Now, when you think of local reach, have beyond the hardcore scene and social media, have you had any inter, uh, interaction with like local newspapers or anything of like the work that you guys do, or you guys keep it mainly focused, focused in the punk scene and the hardcore scene for the most part? Yeah, well, it, it's really, you know, the, the world has to be, you know, we have to have a, a larger focus, you know. Um, so really it's, you know, New Jersey News 12 is, is pretty big in um, promoting, um, you know, adoption events and things like that. So they're very big in helping with that. Um, so the local media has been pretty good with that. Um, I just spitball, like, thinking of things like I would have done. Is there is there animal food companies or pet stores that help, or are they just completely like, fuck you, we don't care? No, there, there definitely are. Uh, pet Supplies Plus, which is a big chain, they're super supportive. They make a donation. Uh, they send a lot of um, product uh, to the event. So they, they've been huge in that. Um, so they've been really good. There's other local uh, smaller shop um, shops that will reach out and that will help, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Winky's Pet Boutique in Chester is another great shop. Um, so there, you know, I think it's, if you love animals, you want to help in some capacity. So, um, you know, all these companies, different companies have been reaching out and, and trying to work with us. Uh, a, ma- a big company that's been super supportive is Vans. Vans oh, awesome. has been super supportive of us. You know, my friend Danny G, uh, works for them and, and every year they come through with some major donations and, um, you know, a lot of stuff for the raffles and things like that sneakers t-shirts hats everything so they've been super supportive and giving so i'm imagining it's not just about the show and the bands a day of it's it's a whole thing and i and so far you've described to me a kiss and booth which sounds great raffles which is important um how is this going to play out at the crossroads which i i guess is it a i'm not am i mistaken and that's like a restaurant that's also kind of a venue yeah kind of so, like kind of like the west coast version just out here in north jersey right is that how it works yeah, so so Crossroads uh, is a great event. Um, it is a restaurant. They have really good food there, actually. And uh, they clear all the tables out for the shows. Like uh, recently, H2O just played there. Um, Shelters played there. Dagnasty has played there. Um, so all these bands have come through, and they're getting all these, these big acts coming through. Um, so the way the event's going to work is uh, doors are at 1 p.m. on March 6th. It's a $25 donation at the door. We're only doing um, no advanced tickets. It's just at the door. Love keeping that. it old school. Um, so the big thing is for people to come early, support the bands, bid on the uh, the art auction, buy raffle tickets. Can you get right? into the art auction real quick? That, that was the one thing I was kind of like, what, is it like Mike Gallo and that kind of art? Like, where are you getting the art from? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So, uh, so over the years from doing the different events, um, you know, a lot of tattoo artists have been super supportive of the event, like, uh, Theoni from Shotzi's tattoo and Wayne Dan Smith from captured tattoo in California, uh, Luke Westman, um, Aaron Belvey from totem tattoo in up by, um, uh, Williamsport. Uh, a lot of people have, uh, 
you know, seeing this as an avenue to use their, their talents to help the dogs. Right. So we do, um, we have a lot of killer pieces. We actually have some art donated from, uh, Mike Ness from his private collection for this year. Um, so we have like a lot of different styles of art. Um, I know, um, Ken one just stopped by my house the other day, uh, killer graffiti artist from New York. Oh, yeah. The man Ken's great. Yeah. Ken's the man. Um, so we have all these people, um, Gallo, my Gallo is donating a piece. Um, Isaac, uh, reached out about donating a piece. So he absolutely you know, also is not only crazy, but absolutely loves dogs. Loves. Yeah. I mean, I love following his Instagram page just to watch Godzilla. Yeah, it's great. Right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't get better than that. So I love his conversations with him, but, um, yeah. So all these different artists have reached out and, oh, you know, through the time been doing this and, you know, they're the arts and main part of this, right? Because we're able to get a large portion of the proceeds through the art auction. That's no, incredible. So come, yeah. They can come and bid on it, you know, watch it through the night and go home with a killer piece of art at the end of the day. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, not just not in terms of the pandemic, but in general, the further we can get this word out, the better. A lot of people listen to podcasts that are not East Coasters. We've got people. I'll say, I always joke and say, we've got tens of people in other places to listen to the show, but um, I hope people listen. And I, and if someone wanted to support you, even though they weren't able to make it to the actual event, what do you think the first and best avenue would be for someone who's looking to support hardcore pits or hardcore for pits or for brick city rescue? What is the number one way you suggest that they uh, support if they're too far to come to the actual event? Yeah. So that's a great question. So you can go to brickcityrescue.com. Uh, you can, uh, there's a donate button on there. So you can make a, a donation. The money goes right to the dogs. It's not used to buy pens or, you know, paper or anything like that. It goes right to the, um, to the vet bills, to the food bills for the dogs that are in foster, um, to all of their care. So you can make a donation. You could also buy brick city rescue merchandise on there. And once again, that goes right to the dogs. Um, so those are ways that you can get involved. And I think um, the biggest thing is, is if you don't, if you want to get involved with other rescues, wherever you are, I think that's super important too. you know, to, you know, it's not just Brick City, it's whatever is local to you, you know, uh, reach out to those organizations, um, volunteer, you know, if you volunteer, if you're in California and you're volunteering, you're making a difference in the dogs here because you're spreading the awareness, right? And just like, you know, just like little, little fires, it starts to spread. Right. And I, I think that's the big thing. And one of the main things I want to put out there is you can be that little fire that, that spreads the message and that spreads the advocacy and to show people how amazing these dogs are and that they should be valued. They shouldn't be misjudged. They shouldn't be mistreated. And they should just be loved and have a family that, you know, adores them. When I think of this kind of, um, empathy to animals or just a, a like a drive to a cause. And I mean, you've been at this for a couple of years now. What do you think the most rewarding moment you had so far to date through all the efforts you've put into this? Uh, you know, I think one of the most uh, rewarding things is uh, was it two years ago. I went into uh, Newark. Tanya reached out to me and told me that there was a dog that was in uh, 
dire need of help. And I showed up and like, I was blown away by what I saw. The dog's head was so swollen. You couldn't even, I mean, recognize that it was a dog. It looked like a different animal. Right. And it's, her name was queen. And, um, it just, it sticks in my mind, you know, like just going to meet the family who really were a good family and just didn't know what to do. Right. They obviously, unfortunately through financial reasons or whatever, uh, couldn't give the dog the care that it needed. And, um, taking that dog to the vet and helping that dog kind of, uh, work through its suffering and Still work through the, the pain. Yeah. It, it was, the dog had a major tumor throughout the dog's head. We oh, found out. okay. 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 Thank you for clarification. Yeah. 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 So the dog's whole face, like it was really unrecognizable. I just wow. one of the worst I've ever seen. It blew me away. And um, I think just um, her story, even though, you know, she wasn't able to make it um, really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. It kind of, made people see people that I work with in my, my regular job, um, see like, wow. All right. There's dogs out there that need help and we need to do something. Right. So people who aren't pit bull lovers, you know, who, who kind of, you know, love animals, but were kind of wary of pit bulls, you know, when they saw that image as unfortunate it was for, for queen, you know, she made a difference in other dogs' lives because of that. Yeah, I think the advocacy on the behalf of a pit bull is hard already because of the stigmas socially. But I think it takes seeing representation or just like what some animals go through for people to break that that facade and go, you know what? These things aren't scary. They're real animals. They live and breathe and they have feelings. I am actually amazed about how emotive and just understanding of our feelings my dog is. And I couldn't even imagine what would happen. I mean, I get bummed when he ha- is having a bad tummy. I get like, I'm like, I, I get like, shit, I don't even know what that. I get so bummed out. I'm like, I'm sorry, little guy. You know, like I yeah. couldn't even imagine being in that situation with the head swelling up. And I think it's good. I think that another facet for punk rock and hardcore is that we've always been advocates of the overlooked or immediately written off. And I think that, the pitbulls align exactly with that. And I have to I have to say also social advocacy. It's easy to go on the Twitter and type stuff, or you know, in, in recent times everyone became either a legal expert or the or the world's most socially aware person. But I think there is a moment where doing hands-on real work in the actual charitable um, ways that you get a release and you get an emotional, I don't know. Sometimes it's a, like I, um, I'm a, I'm a Freemason. I've been a Freemason for years and I've, I've worked in different facets with charity organizations and we've helped out with soup kitchens and we've helped out on food drives and we've helped out literally at the broad street ministry, um, actually passing out food on Thanksgiving to the homeless. And there's not a sense of being able to take your hand and pat yourself on the back and be like, I did my good thing what I've always been left with is like, it was important that we did this work today, but it's almost yeah. harrowing to see the amount of work that has to be done because of just how bad people and this world are in shape right now. And I can only imagine as you're doing this work, 
that as much as you're helping these dogs and unfortunately for queen and other dogs that didn't make it all the way, it, there has to be this understanding that what you're doing is important, but almost like a, Holy fuck. There's so much more work to do, you know? Yeah. It it doesn't end, you know, it it doesn't end. Um, It's there always has to be more, right. We always have to find another way, you know, and and we have to continue pushing through um, doing whatever it takes to, you know, to make a difference, you know, to advocate more, to, uh, uh, to show what amazing animals they are more to, you know, to, uh, volunteer more to do all these different things. It doesn't stop. Right. Well, you know, once you, once you help uh, rescue, rehabilitate one dog, there's another one right behind it. So it's, it's not something that unfortunately I don't think is ever going to stop. Um, but we have to have people who are willing to, you know, um, put their neck out there and to speak up for them and to, uh, you know, do what needs to be done for these dogs. And I, I think you know, going back to like my coworker, you know, they've, they see Chloe and Vinny when they come to work with me, but they see two happy dogs. I don't think, you know, I don't think until they saw somebody like Queen who was in such bad shape um, that it kind of struck a, a, a bell, a bell kind of went off and like, wow, this is real. Like these things are, I mean, there's things that, you know, you don't want to post on social media because they are horrific, you know, but people need to know about them. Like these are the realities. Uh, of what's going on in terms of animal animal abuse, animal neglect, um, you know, the rampant backyard breeding, the rape stands, uh, you know, all these what, things what are real. Was that, what was the terminology? Uh, rape stands. So like a lot of the backyard breeders will tie the feet or will, you know, uh, tape the uh, female dog to the stand and the dog gets raped. So. That's, you know, that's what a lot of backyard breeders use to be able to produce these puppies at such a high rate. I, I just had to process that for a minute. I'm sorry. I actually, I'm, I'm almost sorry for asking that question now. That fucked me up. I just like legitimately, I had, I, I heard the word and I was like, wait, what a minute. And then when you, you, you brought it, the whole thing, the image of it is just disgusting, but not yeah. unlike what humans would do. That's really fucked. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, there's a thousand people in hardcore that have advocacies or stuff they like to do. And raising money is always the first like chain of things that people do. But I feel in our conversation, you went so much deeper already. So you're hands on going out in the field and helping these animals. And then, unless I'm mistaken, you're also at the rescue or you're helping out with these animals or are you just helping facilitate them getting funds? Are you, how much are you physically working with animals at these different places? If, if, if at all, I don't know if you actually are, cause I know you have a day job. I'll go wherever a dog needs help. I'm, I'll go. So Patterson, Newark, whatever town, doesn't matter what town chat could be Chatham. Any town where a dog needs help is I will go. I will you know, in what I can do, whatever I can legally do to pull that dog out of the situation, I'll do. And this is something that people, I, I remember seeing a TV show, but I can't remember the name. I just remember it being like in, inmate people and some family and they had pit bulls. That's the only thing I remember. I think it's only like two episodes, but I seen a scene where they went out in a van 
and coax this dog that was scared out of an alleyway. Is that stuff that you would do? Like, is that the kind of things you're talking oh, about? Yeah. You go? Why don't you talk about yeah, some of those? Ex- why don't you talk about some of the experiences then? Because I think sometimes when hardcore kids are, you know, set on like, I want to do something good. They don't realize like you could take this down a rabbit hole. And I think there's a rabbit hole that you've already gone down with these animals. I'd like to hear it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it started with just, you know, seeing a dog running past me and, you know, seeing that the dog's hurt and needs help. And me, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, coax the dog to me so I could see what the dog needs. You know, does this dog need help? Can I provide it that help? Um, and then going from there, you know, then, all right, once I, you know, have helped this dog, you know, I could think of one offhand. Her name is uh, Rosie. My friend's sister actually adopted her. Uh, amazing dog. Um, beautiful, uh, beautiful dog. Um, actually wish I could have kept her but I have had three dogs at the time. Uh, personally, she was amazing, but she was out for a long time. And, and, uh, you could tell cause she was dirty, stunk, um, pulled her off of the street, took her to the local vet to see if she was micro. You pulled her off of the street. I don't want to, I don't want to stop you in your motion, but how is that process? Like, I, I like, obviously I, I like you're, you're, you're running into an animal that doesn't know you. Like, do you have to control your temperament? Like, how, cause obviously these dogs are very self-aware and also aware of how you feel when you first approach that scenario, are you cognizant of like how to make yourself feel so they don't feel threatened? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to get down on their level, right? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big dude. I'm like six foot two, uh, you know, 225 pounds, whatever. Um, so I'm a big guy. So, you know, I have to make myself smaller, you know, so I have to get down and, 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 you know, as you know, right, with your dog and other dogs, right, they're super sensitive to emotion, right? Um, so you have to be nice and calm and, and, you know, build that bond, that trust with that dog to be able to help them, right? So if you don't have that trust, they're not able to buy into you, then it's going to make it more difficult, you know? Nah, and I'm sorry for cutting you off on that, but I, it's like, I want people listening to really understand this isn't like you trying to do a show to raise some money. This is you not just doing that show, but every day you're thinking about these dogs and you're actually willing to drop the usual everyday routine and go and help a fucking animal if they need. Like, and I think that's a fantastic hands-on way to approach this because it's easy to throw money at a problem. Yeah. I think taking the initiative and going out on your own time and putting that effort into something that you believe in, just takes that to a whole nother level of investment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, and like you said, you, you know, throwing money at, at something is one thing, but it's, what are you going to do next? You know, how are you actually going to physically make a difference? Um, so that's, that's the big thing is taking that next step. Now it, it's a weird thing to say, but it's also important. Um, tax time is here. So is there ways that, a certain person with a certain business or regular, or is it, is donation something that works to your yeah. benefit as a person? If someone has for those listening, who haven't done their taxes. I do believe there's a certain amount that you're allowed to donate. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So uh, you can make, so we have uh, our sponsors for the show. We have sound exchange, which is an amazing record shop uh, in Wayne, New Jersey. We have wolves den barbershop uh, owned by Khalil, who's actually going to be cutting hair at the show. Um, so all haircuts, amazing barber, all, you know, proceeds from the haircuts go right to the dogs. 
Um, so they're, they're, they're as sponsors, they're making these tax deductible donations. Um, so those tax deductible donations could be for, you know, anyone making a donation, you know, above a certain amount. That's so, a great, you know, we, yeah. I, I love the so idea of the haircut. I love the idea of the haircuts. I love, I love that you've taken the show beyond just here's some bands, buy some t-shirts and you've added now we're now we're at, we're at barbers. Uh, will Chloe be back in the kissing booth? Chloe will absolutely be back in the kissing booth. I, Vinny as well. Uh, his breath is not as good, but he will give you a kiss. Um, but yeah, they will be there. So we're trying to, to, you know, give people as many options for the event as possible, you know, to come and have a good time and say, all right, you know what, maybe there's not, you know, any raffle items I want, but I can go get a killer haircut right now and, you know, get it, get faded up and, and, you know, get a haircut and actually make a difference. You know, so there's so many different opportunities for you, for people to be able to, uh, you know, donate their money, whether it's just coming through the door, whether it's, um, you know, buying an auction item, whether it's buying a raffle ticket, whether it's, you know, getting a kiss from Chloe, getting a haircut. You know, there's so many different avenues for people to be able to help at the event. Now, when you and think then of the supply drive as well, the supply drive right. is huge. Right? For as long as you've been doing it, have you ever started like your own YouTube channel and stuff like that to maybe show a side of beyond just what the hardcore for pit shows have been, but like some of the things that you've done in the hands-on area? Because I think, especially in a YouTube or even like a TikTok or uh, now with these uh, Instagram reels, I think that you could get, you know, it's like that you attract more bees with honey. I think if yeah. people saw some of what you were up to in the future, it may help you along your way with bringing people the awareness, not just of your advocacy, but also of your actual efforts and, you know, your outreach to these animals. Yeah. So a YouTube channel I haven't done. It's never really been uh, my thing, but it's a good idea. But Instagram has been huge with that. Um, you know, I think people, um, Chloe has a pretty big following on Instagram and, you know, people send me art of her all the time. Um so just seeing that, it's kind of cool because you see this dog making a difference, you know, somebody in Colorado or somebody in California <clears throat> who love my dog, you know, and they see, you know, how sweet she is and they take the time to, you know, create a piece of art of her. You know, it's pretty amazing. So to be able to see that reach, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I um, my friend Rich Hall, who is a New York hardcore promoter for many years now, he lives on the West Coast and he's a painter and still dabbles in promotion he does these uh, amazing portraits of animals and getting a portrait, like a, like an oil painting patron portrait of your dog is something special. You know, oh, like, there's a, there's something about, there's something about your pet and, and a picture of your pet on the wall. That's not yeah. like a photograph that just makes you smile for yeah. me. For me, man, I, I think that the smartest thing you're doing is that you're expanding the scope of what you can provide. So people come out for hardcore for pits. And I imagine Post-COVID, this is going to continue to be an annual thing, or are you going to do these more than one time a year? Uh, absolutely. It'd probably be an annual thing. Um, you know, we like to do the big event once a year, but we did talk about doing smaller events here and there to kind of continue to, you know, build our base and, and expand our reach a little bit with that. So, but the overall hardcore for pits is, is an annual thing. Yeah, I, I would actually advocate for you to come down to this hardcore and bring like a table and just to let people know, let people know what you're up to because it may help you down the line as your next event. I mean, there's different places, there's different avenues to, to expand 
without having to put on more than one hardcore for pit show. Obviously I've rocked my, I've actually rocked my vision shirt. That was a hardcore for pits one. And, um, people go, oh, where'd you get that? I, I say, yeah, it was this thing that they did. And I, I didn't, I didn't fully correlate that it was still in going because with Dave's passing and then with COVID, I feel like co- everything that happened pre COVID is just completely gone. I don't remember half of it <laughs> these days. Yeah, It's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. So what we will do, every link that you talked about, the Chloe pictures, all that stuff, I always put on TIHCpodcast.com. That's 100% going on there. We're going to make sure that we use this podcast to advocate what you have going on and tell people. And we'll also have your contacts and connection points. Um, the The show, the bill wise, is actually sometimes it's hard to get bands to do something for free in the hardcore scene. But, you know, this bill is not to be fucked with. March 6th is doggy dog, uh, John Connor, Dan Anastasi. These are ace individuals. I mean, they unfortunately lost one of their guitar players and yet they're still pushing forward. Um, There's nothing to be better said about than, you know, Jimmy Gestapo, Murphy's law. Philippe, like these guys are just ace guys, and I know that their hearts are in it. And then Kings Never Die, which is now Dan Anastasi and our last week's guest, Danny Schuler from Biohazard. That's like even got that's like up the ante. Like, holy shit, Dan and Dan, like, holy fuck, man. So good. Um, I'm unfamiliar with the ice cold killers or damage done, but Lenny Lashley. Damage done is Brian Franklin's band. Oh, okay, um, cool. Cool as fuck. Yeah. Brian Franklin at a show in Philadelphia at either the end of 99 or 2000. I can't remember what year it began. It was seven seconds, kill your idols, vision, and reach the sky at the rotunda. And there's a moment where Brian is literally kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's on stage yeah. going, Brian, Brian, yeah. stop it. And and Brian looks like he just got I'm done. Clip on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was I, you know, I was a kid there, so I'm like, look, and I'm going. Oh shit! It's Dave's brother, and he literally looks like he just got done uh, hanging drywall. He's got like regular yeah. work jeans, and he's fucking yeah. this guy up. And I'm like, "Holy shit!" The guy from Vision's brother's ass kicker. <laughs> yeah, I remember so Dave. Funny. I remember Dave chiding. I'm like, "Stop that right now, Brian!" It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah, he's a great dude. He really is. Also, gotta give a shout out to uh, Steady Sound System, who's DJing the event. Uh, throughout the entire day, these guys have been with me from the beginning. Uh, they spin punk rock, hardcore, uh, ska, reggae, kind of go the whole spectrum. Um, so big shout out to uh, Nuno and uh, all those guys. Really appreciate everything they do for me and for the dogs. Yeah, I was actually I was still going through the whole thing. Um, I just got sidetracked by Brian, Brian Franklin being an ass kicker 20 years ago. Hopefully he's still an ass kicker. Um, obviously, Lenny Lashley. uh the guy is super talented with everything he does. He's amazing. He and really then, is. And yeah. So Lenny, Lenny's one of the most giving people you can meet, you know, and I uh, met him a, a while back when we did the Scarlet Fever benefit shows for my goddaughter and Dark Buster came down for the first time. And ever since then, we were just, you know, good friends, uh, super giving guy, super talented. Everything he does is amazing. Yeah, no, that, um, I think people slept on Darkbuster for a while, and I think him coming back and doing them shows kind of shine yeah. light on just his overall talent. Lenny's yeah. absolutely outstanding. 
this is a great collection. This isn't just like a um this isn't just a collection of like ah oh, bands that were able to do it, but this is some this is some good shit. And I really hope that this is supported. And I, I'm glad that you guys reached out to us because I, I want to make sure that people are aware. I, I absolutely think that for all the different benefit shows, they all have their own importance. But something like this, I think not only will show people that, you know, there's enough people that book shows. There's enough people that do different things, but you can do some pretty hardcore punk shit in a different avenue. I find that what you're talking about in the advocacy and in the outreach program, the stuff just like going out and helping and just volunteering, I think is super DIY and directly related to if you're putting work in, you're going to see a return emotionally. I think that you're going to see people who, if they take the time to to do this or even to help out, they're going to see a, a return emotionally in their investment of time. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, you, you see people uh, leaving the show with a full heart, you know, going out and wanting to volunteer and wanting to advocate and wanting to, you know, just putting a post out on social media helps, you know, sharing events, sharing, you know, dogs, and all those things make a difference, you know, and, and it's nice to see. When you, when you do this thing, how much of this is for you being able to communicate? Are you trying to run the event? Do you have someone running the event so you can just focus the day of on talking to people and telling everybody how it works? Or are you really involved hands-on in the running of the whole event? Uh, yeah. So the event kind of runs itself um, at this point. So I, you know, I think it's important to, um, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're available to, you know, to talk to people and to, um, you know, give them whatever information they need about different dogs, the rescue, uh, advocacy, all of that. So, you know, it kind of, kind of runs itself and allows for everybody to, you know, to be there, have a good time, talk, share information, connect with each other, which is super important. Um, so that, that's all, all huge. That's all a big part of it. Definitely, definitely talking and having conversations. Um, because without conversations, if I didn't have specific conversations when I was younger with certain people, I wouldn't be where I am now, you know, being able to, to try to help and, and to do the different things that I'm doing. So continuing these conversations forward, making connections is super important. Would you say that your number one goal with Hardcore for Pits is to raise awareness and money or is it to enlighten people and try to draw more people into the advocacy and help that they hope that they would eventually jump in and help volunteer as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think it's, it's like, I was talking about the small fire and I just see us as like a small fire in, in such a, a vast, you know, forest. So um, I, I think we're, we're still trying to spread that fire. And I think that's the most important thing is bringing more people to it so they can continue to, to what we're doing. You know, it doesn't, it's not just us. It, it's, it's a collective effort. You know, so the more people that can get involved, I think better off we are, you know, better off the dogs are. No, I, I, I would like to see people understand what you're up to and understand that, like you said, you know, if you want to give the Brick City Rescue and support, there's that. But I imagine as people can tell, you know, there's a Philly, there's Delaware, Bully Rescue. I mean, I can I can name like four places on top of my head just in our area. So if you're local and you're not able to help, you could donate, but you can also start doing your own local work if you're in interested and you like to put some time and volunteer. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you you know, going out to any uh, rescue that's local to you, any shelter uh, that's local to you, I think is really important. Um, reach out to them. There are volunteer opportunities available to everybody. Um, you know, so just make take that first step. Reach out. You know, go and meet some new people, meet some new dogs, and uh, have a good time. You know, uh, there's there's so many you could do different events. Like we uh, uh, did an event at a uh, car show at a car dealership at Nielsen Dodge and Jeep in New Jersey and East Hanover that um, you know gave us the opportunity to uh, to be there and you know collect the proceeds from that event. Um, so you know, and people volunteer to come help us. So. You know, reach out to your local shelter, reach out to your local rescue, like Philly Bullet, you know, Bully Crew is a great rescue that does amazing work down there. Um, so reach out to them, reach out to whatever rescue is local to you. Um, we're going to have everything links wise on TIAC podcast. I really appreciate the time and I'm glad that we got to speak with you. And I would like to see that you do more in terms of not just what you're doing, but also let's try to link up and make sure through this hardcore and the stuff we do, more people are aware of hardcore for pits in general. Yeah, Joe, I really appreciate the time and I appreciate the platform. I appreciate everything you do uh, with your events and everything that, you know, just, you know, giving a voice to the dogs today. I, I can't thank you enough. No, I, um, I got a, I got a dog with me now and sometimes I don't want to hear his voice <laughs> in the middle of shit, but uh I think of, especially I think him getting older, it's like a emo moment where I'm like, I'm not really ready to be done with you, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. and, and, and it's something that, you know, uh, sticks with me that this isn't, I'm sorry, cat people. This isn't like some fucking cat. <laughs> this is like legit. Yeah. This is an animal. My, my, I know when my dog, I, yeah, listen, he's making a noise now. I know when he's like, I need something. I know when he's like, I want to go to bed. I like, yep. but he also, if he sees me like, you know, like I think I sleep next to my dog. Uh, we eat bags of chicken from Acme regularly. Like, yeah, there's so many things that are just completely intrinsically. Like people go, like, oh, what are you up to? Oh, well, I got this bag of chicken. Me and Abel are going to go eat literally right. like, like there's, like, <laughs> I get psyched. Like, yeah. Like if I don't have, if I don't have shit to do on a Friday afternoon, I come home and work with a bag of chicken. It's like, all right, boys, let's go me and you, you know? So, um, thank you for coming on the show. Send me all your links. Obviously we're going to have them up on TAAC podcast and, uh, give us a great sign off JJ. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Joe, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate everything that you do, uh, in our community and just brickcityrescue.com, uh, hardcore for pits, March 6th, uh, doors are at 1 PM. Please come early, bid on the art, get a haircut. Uh, buy and uh, we'll make a difference in their lives and care. And uh, just continue to advocate, speak up, be their voice, and um, let's help save them all. Oh, man, that's fucking awesome. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'm glad we got you on here. And just thank you for the efforts you put in so far. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Respect. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Well, I hope that you took the time and understood that this this endeavor is ongoing for JJ and Hardcore for Pits. And like he said, you can support the event. You can go to BrickCityRescue.com. Grab links on TIACPodcast.com. But if you're sitting at home and you live far away and any of this touched you and you want to 
figure out a way that you can do something in your area, reach out to your local pit bull rescue and volunteer and maybe bring an event like JJ's to your own area. And hopefully he'll come. Maybe he'll bring Chloe to This Is Hardcore. But having a pit bull in my life for the last 11 years has changed me. And I love my dog. I love every time I get to see anyone's pit bulls. And this is a cool thing. The show's cool. And I wanted people, especially younger folks, who have such giant hearts and are always reaching and trying to do more to make the world a better place. Small impacts just by having a show where you just give money to a shelter and such like this or, you know, um, a rescue team or just help out. It's a fantastic way to put your best foot forward and impact the world in a positive way. And that's why I wanted to center the entire episode around this one. So thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Remember, all your Philadelphia hardcore show needs are supplemented by phillyhcshows.com. I have some good news on the rule of three front. A new episode, episode 10, is going to go live either later tonight or early Saturday morning. We got it knocked out. I just got jammed up with some computer shit. Had to take some shit off. Eventually, I'm going to get myself a fancy desktop computer with a little bit more power so I don't get jammed up with these updates and this fucking bullshit. But new rule of three coming out tomorrow or early Saturday morning. Make sure you support that. Support Post America Podcast. Support Broad Street Breakdown. G says they're recording a new episode. Support From Within Podcast. One, eight, five, miles south podcast out of California. Still ripping up some fucking episodes. God damn it, it's good. Fucking love them guys. But no, support fucking hardcore. Support people around you. Support your animals and Let's talk next week. And of course, this is Hardcore 2022. It's fucking happening. Stay tuned every week for more updates. Goodbye.